Welcome to the Gospel Saves Podcast, a program that discusses all matters related to the Christian faith. Please visit thegospelsaves.me. Welcome back to our study of the resurrection of Jesus. Without the resurrection of Jesus, there is little reason to expect something better after death. Jesus taught extensively on a resurrection to come, claiming in one passage, I am the resurrection and the life. He also claimed that God the Father gave him the authority to raise the dead. This claim is best exemplified by the resurrection of Lazarus. In several passages, Jesus describes death as a state of sleep. Upon receiving word of Lazarus' death, Jesus told his disciples, I am going to wake him. How did Jesus perceive death, and what should we, in turn, expect when we die? On our last program, we were looking in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And in this chapter, Paul shows us the reason why it was necessary for him to revisit the resurrection of Jesus. As he states in verse number 12, there were those among the Corinthians who had doubts about a resurrection to come. In the ministry of Jesus, we see him clearly teaching that there is a resurrection of the dead to come. This was a doctrine that the Pharisees had right, and it was a doctrine that the Sadducees had wrong. The Sadducees denied that there was a resurrection. Jesus confirms that there is, in fact, a resurrection of the dead at the end of time. And this is an event we are to prepare ourselves for. We are to be anticipating and watching and having our lives ready so that when Jesus returns, we can spend all of eternity with him. So this has been a doctrine that Jesus himself has taught, and yet there were among the Corinthians people who had doubts that there was anything such as a resurrection. Paul's reason for bringing up the resurrection of Jesus is that if there is no resurrection, if the idea of a resurrection is just foolishness, if it's just made up, if it's just some sort of wishful thinking, then Christ has not raised from the dead. And if Christ is not raised from the dead, then our faith is futile. As he says in verse 18, those who have fallen asleep in Christ have just perished. In other words, those who followed after Jesus had done so faithfully through the end of their life. They've gone into the ground. Their bodies are now decaying. Their spirit is nowhere to be found. There is no eternity. There is nothing in this life to look beyond. They've just perished. They're dead. And if that be the case, then the Christian life is one not to be admired, but to be pitied. As Paul says in verse number 19, if in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men the most pitiable. The Christian life requires a great deal of sacrifice, the sacrifice of self, the sacrifice of desire. And if all we do is lay this on the line with no expectation of a reward to come, no anticipation of an eternity to dwell with Jesus and with God the Father, then what is all the sacrifice for? Why are we even doing it? That's Paul's point in verse number 19. There's nothing about the Christian life that is to be envied in these terms. And so he comes in verse number 20 and restates the fact that Christ has risen from the dead, that he has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. 
Now, the idea of the first fruits means that Jesus was the first part of the harvest. You might recall in the old law, there was an offering of the first fruits. Whenever that first yield would come in, they would take that offering to the tabernacle or to the temple, and they would dedicate that to God. Well, in like manner, the the resurrection to come is a harvest. And Jesus is the first fruits of that harvest. He is the first one that has been raised from the dead, never to die again. And that's what we as Christians are are longing for. What we're hoping for is that we too might raise from the dead, never to die again. Jesus has become the first fruits. And Paul says he's become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. This is a very interesting term. And it's not the first time in this 15th chapter that Paul has used this. Back in verse number 6, Paul talks about some of the 500 brethren that witnessed Jesus risen from the dead. Some of them have fallen asleep. He says in verse number 18, Then also those who have fallen asleep in Jesus have perished. So by the time we get to verse number 20, Paul has already described the, the death of a Christian as falling asleep. Now that is a very intriguing description, and it's worth our time just to to take a few minutes to look at what he means by that. Let's begin by understanding what exactly death is. Death is a separation of the spirit from the body. We are beings that are made up of three parts, spirit, soul, and body. Our spirit and our soul are within us. They're difficult to discern, difficult to distinguish. But as we're told by the Hebrew writer in Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12, the the word of God can help us to discern between soul and spirit. So the soul and spirit are are the internal man. And in death we find the separation of the spirit from the body. Because the spirit is what gives life. God breathed into man's nostrils and man became a living soul. That breath of life, that spirit is what gives us life. And when the spirit is separated from the body, the body dies. So it's incredibly important for us to to recognize, first of all, that that what has fallen asleep, what has died, is the body. The body has been separated from the life. In the 11th chapter of the book of John, Jesus is nearing the end of his ministry. And he finds out in John chapter 11 that that one of his closest friends, Lazarus of Bethany, had, had fallen quite ill. Now, Lazarus was brother to Mary and Martha, who were also very devoted disciples of Jesus. These are two of the women that we see following Jesus all the way to his crucifixion witnessing his burial and being the first witnesses of his resurrection when they found that tomb empty on that faithful Sunday morning so many hundreds of years ago. Lazarus, their brother, has become sick. Jesus receives word of this from his sisters, and Jesus says in verse number four, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God that the Son of God may be glorified through it. He waits a couple more days, and then he decides to go up to Judea in verse number 7. We're in John chapter 11. The disciples object. They bring up the fact that 
pretty recently, the Jews have wanted to stone Jesus for what they perceive as blasphemy. And they ask Jesus, you're going to go there again? Jesus points out in verse number 9 that he's got work to do. He's got to do it while he is in the world. And that people are either going to accept him or reject him. In verse number 11, he says to his disciples, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. Now remember, how does Paul describe Christians who have died back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15? He says they've fallen asleep. Jesus says, Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him again. Jesus already knows that Lazarus has passed away. I believe he knows this because of the the power that he had as the divine son of God. His disciples, though, are confused. They've only known that Lazarus was sick, so they think if Lazarus is sleeping, this is good. This will help him get better. Jesus corrects their understanding in verse number 14. He says, in very plain language, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Jesus is glad that he had not gone earlier. He's glad that that Lazarus has already died. That may seem strange. Well, if Jesus had been there, he probably would have healed Lazarus. But under these circumstances, his disciples are going to witness an even greater miracle. So he and his disciples go on to Bethany. They encounter Mary and Martha. Jesus goes to the tomb of Lazarus, who's been dead for four days, and he raises him from the dead. Now, why is this relevant to our discussion of 1 Corinthians chapter 15? Well, if we go back to this idea of falling asleep, Jesus perceived death as falling asleep. That's how he described it. Jesus goes on to call Lazarus out from the tomb, which is a fulfillment, essentially, of what he says back in chapter 5. Now, we looked at this a few weeks ago. In John chapter 5, Jesus says in verses 28 and 29, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear his voice and come forth, those who have done good to the resurrection of life and those who have done evil to the resurrection of of condemnation. In verse number 43, Jesus cries with a loud voice and says, Lazarus, come forth. Verse 44, and he who had died came out bound, hand and foot with grave clothes, and his face was wrapped with a cloth. Jesus said to them, loose him and let him go. Here is a resurrection. Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead. Now Lazarus is going to die once again. But he has been raised, and he's been raised by the voice of the Son of God. Now, what's interesting to consider in all this is what was happening between the time that Lazarus died and when he answered the command of Jesus. Jesus describes it as sleep. Paul describes it as having fallen asleep. Does that mean that when a Christian dies, they go into something that is called soul sleep, that they're just in this sort of pleasant but unaware state. Is that what Jesus and Paul mean? To answer this question, I think we need to go to another story that that Jesus gives us in the 16th chapter of the book of Luke. 
and it involves another man by the name of Lazarus. I'm not persuaded that we're talking about the same Lazarus. We may be, but it does seem to me that at least in the timeline of Jesus's ministry, his teaching here in Luke 16 comes before Lazarus passes away in John chapter 11. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus talks about how there was this beggar Lazarus who sat at the gate of a rich man who died, and that rich man died. And Jesus talks about their two different destinations. We're not going to have time to look at this particular account today. As we look toward next week, we want to think about what happens between death and the resurrection. And in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, I think we can draw out some kernels of truth, some understanding about what the soul of a person experiences after they pass away. Thanks for listening to The Gospel Saves. If you found this program useful, please visit thegospelsaves.me to find blogs, videos, and Bible studies. If you enjoyed the music on this podcast, please visit acapeldridge.com. You can also find him on Apple Music, Google Play, Spotify, YouTube, and Facebook. May God bless you as you seek to know and do his perfect will. See